0: Hey, this is Thor from Cybury. If you've been enjoying the Cyberry Podcast or 401 Access Denied, then make sure to like, follow, and subscribe so that you don't miss any future episodes.
1: We'd love to hear from you. Join the discussion by leaving us a comment or review on your platform of choice or emailing us at podcast at From all of us at Cyberry, thank you and enjoy the show. What does it take to be a cyber threat intelligence analyst? How can cyber threat intelligence or CTI training be applied in real-world strategic defense planning and risk management assessment? CyberE course manager Jennifer Barnaby returns to the CyberE podcast with two guests from MITRE to discuss the value of CTI teams and their research. Jackie Lasky, senior cybersecurity engineer, and Amy Robertson, cyber operations lead, break down the ways that cyber threat intelligence is used to produce actionable defensive recommendations to any organization. Learn more about why it's more important than ever for CTI teams to have diverse contributors with both technical and non-technical skill sets.
0: Hello, and welcome to the Cyberary podcast. My name is Jen Barnaby, and I'm one of the course managers here at Cybrary. And today I'm so excited to welcome two cybersecurity engineers from the MITRE Corporation, Amy Robertson and Jackie Lasky. They were um, both uh, part of the team that put together uh, the MITRE Attack Defender Cyber Threat Intelligence certification course that we have for free on Cybrary platform. And I'm so excited to welcome you guys. We also refer to you as the MAD professors since it's the MITRE Attack uh, Defender uh, course. And uh, welcome to the podcast. I'm going to start out by asking you guys each to um, tell us a little bit about your role and how you got started with with CTI and in cybersecurity in general. So I'm going to turn it over to you, Jackie, first, and and then over to Amy.
1: Yep, sounds good. Um, So hi, I'm Jackie Lasky. I am a senior cybersecurity engineer with MITRE. I've been with them for about four years now. Um, I've always kind of been involved with technology since high school. Um, I've had some pretty amazing female mentors and counselors that encouraged me to pursue cybersecurity pretty early on. Um, so, I got involved in competitions in high school and college, um, doing Cyber Patriot hackathons, other things like that. And I kind of gave me, I ended up choosing computer science specifically to study in college because I knew it would give me a lot of flexibility with the career choices that I wanted to have when I graduated. Um, I knew I could do software development, I could do cybersecurity, or I could do a bunch of other things. Um, but I knew it would allow me to pivot into different areas. Um, I participated in a bunch of different things in college and um, I was able to do a bunch of internships. So working with the Department of Defense, um, contractors, and doing some things with CTI and other areas of cybersecurity, trying to figure out, you know, my niche and what I enjoy. Um, and then when I came to MITRE full-time, um, I started working with the Attack CTI team, helping with their groups and software updates to their site, and then helping with technique development and a bunch of other things. So um, that's kind of how I got started with CTI. But yeah, that's my background.
0: Well, that's great. <laughs> a lot of different things. So that's yeah. really cool. Okay. What about you, Amy?
2: Hi, my name is Amy, and um, I'm currently a cyber operations lead at MITRE, Um, and I had a slightly unorthodox path um, getting into cybersecurity. Um, I've been working in cyber for over a decade, but I didn't actually start my career out in cyber. Um, I actually majored in political science, and I finished my undergrad a little bit early, so I uh, spent some time in Russia and um, a couple of years in China primarily in teaching and development roles. and then I moved to congressional affairs and state level lobbying with a focus on information security and technology. Um, and around the time that I started my uh, master's degree at, um, Johns Hopkins and global security, I began to, um, support uh department of Homeland security in international cybersecurity. Um, so managing their European and central Asian cyber engagement portfolio, um, and helping to build out threat intelligence collaboration and improve incident response. And so this role kind of introduced me to cybersecurity and then I was able to merge those um, those development and information security elements from the background I had. And so, as I mentioned, in this role, I kind of fell into CTI as part of of our role and our work was assessing the global threat landscape and emerging threats and then determining how to, best coordinate with international partners to address that, those threats. And so um, after that, I moved to work with the predecessor of um, CISA, which was U.S. CERT and NCIC. And I was at this point, I was focusing primarily on emerging threats and strategic communications um, and spearheading some cyber risk assessments and OSIT and SOCMIT investigations. Um, And then from there, I moved to MITRE. And so here at MITRE, I primarily focus on cyber threat intelligence for space assets and weapon systems. Um, I'm also the content lead for the attack team, and I provide um, CTI support for um, attack evaluations.
0: Wow, that's a lot. That is awesome. <laughs> what a great path. Um, so yeah, just so many things right in there. Um, I thought I would ask you, you both in, in feel free, whoever wants to jump in just to kind of give our listeners an idea of what cyber threat intelligence is and means. Um, there, you know, like, as you guys mentioned, there's so many different areas of cybersecurity, um, and that's just a really specialized field. And I think, um, we haven't really talked about it a lot on this podcast, so it'd be great if you could kind of describe it.
2: Yeah, I'm happy to jump in and then, uh, if Jackie has anything to add. So, um, Cyber threat intelligence focuses primarily on the capabilities, the motivations, um, and the goals of a cyber adversary and how these things could be achieved. So, uh, what threats and opportunities can be drawn from this knowledge? Um, In practice, this uh, threat intelligence is primarily the analysis of data and information from internal and external sources, um, depending on your organization, um, looking through structured and unstructured. sources and looking at recent and past events to um, and bringing all these things together to generate relevant information about existing or emerging threats. Um, and so a CTI analyst w- um, is able to take all this information um, and apply the uh, Intel cycle and to derive kind of these meaningful insights for their organization from this intelligence. And so this might be, you know, who's potentially targeting the organization and how, um, and then providing actionable recommendations to defend against a threat and to kind of inform other preventative security measures. Um, and as an intelligence space, like I just mentioned, CTI also features um, an intelligent CTI lifecycle that starts with intel requirements or directions um, that are tailored to the specific environment or organization. And then the next step is moving into the planning collection of data, analysis of the results, um, production of the intel from the results and dissemination of the intel, and then finally reevaluating the intelligence in the context of any new information that is received and feedback. And so the really key output of CTI is the actionable recommendations from the analysis. And I've mentioned actionable a couple of times. (laughs) And what that means in the context of CTI is threat intelligence that is accurate, timely, and relevant to the organization and meets the needs of the the current defensive systems that have to deal with and respond to those kinds of threats. And so those actionable recommendations are going to look different um, for every organization. Um, but they also focus on different aspects of the intelligence depending on the audience. So um, at a strategic or executive level, it's going to focus on like risks to the organization or overall business operations. Uh, at the operational level, the recommendations would focus more on the type of threats that are tar- targeting the organization. And then at the tactical level, these recommendations might focus more on kind of the sort of the behavioral analytics that would best identify the most relevant form of malicious activity. So to sum all that up, (laughs) CTIs CTIs is absolutely fundamental capability for anybody's defense strategy, and it can offer um, really crucial insight into these evolving cyber adversaries. And it can also help improve Efficiency and effectiveness in security operations in terms of both detective and preventative capabilities. Um, and so just touching on uh the attack framework and where that comes in, because I know we'll be addressing that a little bit later. Mm-hmm. So attack offers this kind of structured approach for describing adversary behavior. It enables the tracking of how an adversary group evolves over time as well as supporting comparisons between adversary groups, and then allowing you to assess how they compare to your defenses. So it enables you to structure your data and then operationalize it by providing knowledge and insights to your defenders about the key behaviors to detect and mitigate.
0: Yeah, and I know in the course that you guys taught, um, Jackie covered how to use Navigator to sort of You know, kind of reflect the intel, and when you're kind of comparing different APTs and, um, you know, sort of documenting and annotating what you have. um, Maybe you can talk a little bit about that, Jackie.
1: Yeah. So, using Attack Navigator is a good way to be able to compare different APT groups, like you were saying, and be able to make that stuff knowledgeable or actionable, just like Amy was highlighting early on. So, you can take that to leadership and other areas to be able to translate. The kind of uh, threat intel that you've been looking at, and how you can compare different groups and the software that they're using. So definitely a cool. useful tool.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I was—I've mm-hmm. um, been going back through your your course and kind of familiarizing myself with everything that you guys taught. And I know, you know, Amy, you covered the raw data portion, and um, after you know going through the narrative reporting stuff that Adam covers, and then the raw data part, I'm—I was like really impressed because it seems like you have to have so much technical knowledge. Um, to, you know, to understand the commands that an adversary is using and what the file structure is that you're looking at and what what's possible and what it means and everything. And, um, you know, I was wondering if you could talk about what the technical skills are for someone who wants to get into CTI, what they need to know and, and that type of thing. And sometimes it's going to be uh, more laid out for them in the narrative intel that they're looking at, but sometimes they have to get down into the nitty gritty. Uh, maybe you could comment on that.
1: Yeah, yeah I can... Do you want okay. me to start and then you can go? Either one yeah. of you, okay. yeah, go ahead. <laughs> um, I was just going to say that CTI analysts can come from a range of backgrounds. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say they need to have a computer science degree like what I studied or any kind of heavy engineering degree, um, although it can be beneficial to understanding some of the raw CTI data that we see out in the reporting on the public. Um, outside of technical skills, I would say it's important to have strong reading and analytical skills and strong verbal and communication skills. So things like that to be able to effectively translate um, technical concepts to leadership. Um, and it's important to be able to keep up to date with like emerging uh, threat landscape in which adversaries are trending and um, the industries that they're targeting. So being able to keep track and document cyber incidents in terms of attack and other standards and models, um, and being able to quickly learn new tools and relevant technologies, I would say would be useful. Um, but yeah, I'll leave it that there isn't any correct or right path into, into CTI and that having different backgrounds, whether it be engineering or political science or something different, um, both technical and non-technical, can actually add value to a CTI team as a whole to um, create it. Yeah. So, and Amy, you can add anything else you want to
2: <laughs> add. No, I think that that's a great response. I would definitely just emphasize that like what Jackie said, there's no right way to get into cybersecurity, even for um, the more uh, technical subsets of cybersecurity, you definitely can learn on the job. And I think that's actually one of the best ways to learn is, you know, when I fell into cybersecurity, I did not have that technical background. And I've had to learn everything I know on the job, you know, hands on keyboard. And so It can seem kind of overwhelming for people who want to get into cybersecurity, but it's definitely something you can learn in the job. There's so much, you know, training out there. There are so many people that are willing to mentor you, um, that I think it's, it's just a really achievable goal. Even if it seems kind of, like I said, overwhelming at the beginning, it's really something that I think you could pick up. And I wouldn't say there's a, like Jackie mentioned, there's not a specific skill set that's gonna, um, that's that cyber and CTI require, but, um probably just that a willingness to learn constantly like she mentioned because you have to stay on top of everything everything's so dynamic and the uh, (laughs) body is just growing so quickly and changing so much you just have to like constantly stay on top of it and stay on top of training so I would say it's it's actually hard to be in um, cyber for a while and not um, you're learning so much and you're constantly training it's hard to not stay on top I mean it's hard to fall behind because, like, you have to do a good job in your role. You have to stay on top of things. You have to consistently do different training. You have to consistently stay on top of things. So, um, I I don't think there's a specific skill set. I would encourage anybody who is interested in and in kind of jumping into the field to not be um, kind of turned off by their any lack of technical background.
0: Yeah, that's great. I know, um, we were also planning to talk a little bit about what it's like to be a woman in the field and, and, um, you know, it's, there aren't that many, you know, it's kind of, it's, but it's kind of growing and you guys are obviously representing that. Um, and I wonder, you know, what you think about, I think sometimes as my, as a woman, myself, obviously, um, you know, sometimes we put barriers up in front of ourselves and sometimes the barriers are there, you know, outside of that. And I wonder, you know, how you think of that because when you're talking about, um, you know, not having to have the technical background, but you can, if you're willing to learn, you can get in there. And, you know, if you're, you don't put those barriers up in front of yourself, um, that can be a good way to look at it. I wonder if that, has that been your experience or what, what has been your experience in, in that way?
1: Yeah. I mean, if we're talking about like, you know, what was it like to be a woman in this field and getting into Security and also with that kind of stuff, I would say that like it definitely gets easier the longer that you're in it. I feel like in the beginning when I first started out, it was a lot harder, like especially being in college and post college, still kind of early career, um, three to four years outside of college now. But um I don't know. I feel like I feel all the things, or I felt all the things that women feel in terms of like lack of confidence, imposter syndrome, not feeling like smart or good enough to bring up ideas or thoughts around male colleagues or in meetings. Cause oftentimes, yeah, you are the only girl on that team and everyone kind of looks to you and expects you to say something profound or something important when you really just want to bounce off ideas and just talk without being judged, you know? Mm -hmm. But I think the best thing you can do is just to be yourself and to keep like having your ideas, sharing them and not letting that stuff hold you back. Um, because oftentimes I find like, you know, I'm scared of what they might think of me or I have an assumption, but my male peers might think, but oftentimes they're pretty understanding. And it's always just like something that we have in our back of our head, you know, that kind of is a barrier that we have. So, um, yeah, I don't know if you want to add anything to that. <laughs> yeah. Um, Yeah, so I I think I had
2: kind of a similar experience. When I fell into cybersecurity, I was really excited about kind of, you know, the range of prospects, and I was immediately fascinated specifically with kind of like the psychology and behavioral aspects of threat intelligence. Um, But then something I came to quickly realize was that the field was not necessarily inclusive um, and that those with a non-traditional cyber background can also face additional um, barriers. And so this is, you know, similar in many male-dominated fields where women have to continually go the extra mile to prove that they have the requisite capabilities. And this is something that I've certainly experienced in cybersecurity, um, which is unfortunate because uh, cyber is something that really impacts everyone's life on a daily basis. And to effectively like architect security solutions you need perspectives from everyone and you needed to know that diversity of you need that diversity of skills and experiences insight to really have an effective um, security solution. so um it's it's been interesting over the past couple of years to see you know efforts across the sector to really enhance diversity um in hiring um and i think as of two thousand nineteen, you know, women make up 24% of the global cybersecurity workforce, which is, you know, really fantastic. And that's really promising progress from a few years ago. But um, even with this more diverse field, I think that these conscious and unconscious biases still do present some barriers um, to many women. And so um, hopefully the sector will continue to kind of address these biases and these kind of like environmental challenges. Um, but like I like I said earlier, and uh, when we were talking about skill sets, something I do want to highlight is that um, for anyone, any woman who's interested in entering the field or um, who's already in the field, you know, cyber is such a broad and complex field. And there are so many non-technical um, as well as technical components. And so you can really chart out your own path in that field um, based on what aspect of security you're passionate about. And so, um, there are definitely barriers, but they, I feel
1: like they're slowly coming down. I think so too. Yeah. Yeah. Especially with more women coming into the field. I think, um, yeah, with more women getting involved in tech and more women being present, like the landscape is going to change over time in the biases that hold them back from their potential skills will hopefully like improve and stuff. So
0: Yeah. And I think, I mean, our listeners, you know, they're hearing your stories, um, you know, that's going to motivate them. I think it's, you know, just cool to see it happen. And, um, and like you said, it's, you know, part of it is barriers that they're not putting up for themselves, but part of it is just knowing to get out there, having that willingness to learn and, um, show their path. I think showing the passion for it, like you guys have, um, is, you know, It's sort of, uh, it's new enough that you can kind of chart your own territory, which I think is great, Um, chart your own path rather. Um, I know that uh, the Center for Threat-Informed Defense is doing a uh, Threat-Informed Defense user conference coming up on December 8th, and they are going to be featuring some things related to CTI. Uh, I wonder if you guys could tell us a little bit about that.
1: So Amy and I will be doing um, at, the, at the user summit, we'll be doing um, like a 30 to 40 minute presentation um, featuring CTI and kind of the course that we taught and some other things. We'll be sharing like a personal vignette, an account of how we applied CTI and what we worked on during the latest version 10 attack release that we had from last week. Um, and any new updates that we can make the community aware of. Um, we'll also be discussing any best practices that can enhance the defender's ability to effectively map behaviors to attack. And we'll be diving into some of the material and the trainings to cover any frequently asked questions that we've been given through LinkedIn or other avenues um, that we've received from students across the world. And we'll be talking about how CTI training can be applied in the real world and how it achieves that threat-informed defense um, approach to security. So,
0: Cool. Yeah, we are going to hopefully promote the conference too. Um, We're hoping to get the link so we can put it in uh, the comments on the YouTube version of this podcast. So, Uh, So we'll be putting that out there, getting people interested in it. Um, We're really excited about it. We had Michael Long on the podcast, and he's going to be teaching part of his adversary emulation course on it. So, I mean, during the conference, that'll be great. Um, Yeah, um, I guess the only other thing I was going to mention is, um, I know that, you know, you were talking earlier about women in in cybersecurity and in CTI, and I was thinking about how... um, you know, bringing the different skills that you mentioned, um, the communication skills and everything. And I was thinking how women can be really collaborative. And I know in your course, you talk about that. You talk about working as a team and having everybody pitch in doing that, you know, doing what's their strengths and stuff like that. I don't know if you can talk about that. And um, yeah, just like what that's like. And, um, you know, maybe just that angle of of having different people on your team with the different strengths, you know, whether they be male or female or whatever, um, and 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 what that means for a CTI team.
2: I can start out and then <laughs> Jackie, if you wanna. So um in my experience, you know, the, I've worked with CTI teams that are primarily um they come from a very technical background and I've been the only non-technical person on that type of team. And then I've also worked on teams that have like more diverse um, experiences and kind of makeup of, um, teams. And so, um, I think both have their strengths. Um, when you have a very technically focused team, you definitely have, um, you can produce some much more, much more actionable recommendations, um, based on kind of like the raw or unstructured data, um, for a lot of those people who have different types of, you know, technical background with the people with the teens that have more of a diverse and not, um, background, not everyone is, um, technical. I think there's a little bit of a different strength and that you are looking at, um, each other's biases a different way. Like you're saying, you know, what perspective are you viewing that through? What lens are you viewing that through? How did you come to that conclusion? So, um, you're questioning each other a lot more. You're questioning the recommendations or the the outputs um, of the analysis a lot more closely than perhaps the solely technical team is. And so um, I think that's why having those two aspects together where you have a, you know, technical people as well as as people from an Intel background or a different um, background that isn't solely cyber focused um, is a really good combination that kind of gives you that holistic, uh, you know, just the, the really valuable and actionable recommendations, but that are also questioned by people with different and diverse backgrounds.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much what I was going to say. I agree with pretty much everything Amy said. Um, but yeah, like sometimes the less technical people can pull out things where the highly technical people don't know how to make those things consumable by the general public and things. So like being able to work together, I really think helps, um, in terms of creating a whole CTI team. So.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. I, it made me remember also that you talk about biases in uh, in the course and how um, being collaborative like that allows people to look at it from different angles. And then I can also imagine, like you're saying, how if you are able to kind of look at it through the lens of maybe the non-technical consumer of the intelligence, you can say, you know, this needs to be explained more or whatever it is um, to kind of, you know, draw the picture for whoever's going to consume the intelligence and um i know the attack framework has just got so much great cti in it and um have you guys contributed like when do you when you look at the attack framework do you go yeah we worked on that we worked on that is that kind of something that you're you're thinking when you're looking at that thing at the matrix and going through the different ttp's i'll let
2: jackie address that first because i think that she <laughs> has more direct yeah. <laughs> contribution to yeah, the yeah, framework
1: um, yeah. So like, I know when I've written like specific techniques or something, I've been able to look back and be like, oh, okay, cool. Like people are actually using that out in the real world. Like it's really fun to see. And like, even when I'm reading through like a threat report that's out in the public, you know, and I'm mapping it to attack, like I'm able to be like, oh yeah, like I understand how these techniques were created because I was able to help, like, I don't know, look at all the intelligence that's out there and create these things. And it is really cool to see it being used by like the community and, um, being taught now in courses like this. So, um, yeah, it's exciting. <laughs>
0: cool. Yeah, I mean I think it's I mean intelligence sharing it seems like it's so important in cybersecurity because you know you're you're protecting the world basically, you know the whole cyber world and telling you know letting people know what to watch out for so it seems really important so that's really cool. Um well, I don't have any other questions. You guys have anything else you want to say anything about the conference or anything like that? Uh give you guys the last word. I don't think I don't I don't have anything
2: um really substantive to add, I will just say that we're looking forward to speaking at the user conference about CTI and sharing some of our experiences and some updates
0: to the um, CTI attack defender course. Great. Yep. Cool. Well, I'm so glad you guys joined us today. Thank you so much for your time.
1: Of course. Thanks for having us. Yes. Thank you for having us.
0: Cool. Well, thank you to our listeners as well. I hope you join us at our next Cybrary podcast. Um, Be sure to like and share, subscribe, give us a review. It always really helps us out. And we'll catch you at the next episode.
1: Cybrary, the premier cybersecurity skill development platform, is empowering individuals and teams to secure the future of technology. See why 3 million people have
0: already signed up when you visit www.cybrary.it.